So, welcome to this uh, second part of the uh, afternoon. We we'll attend the podcast by uh, Todd Conklin and uh, with uh, Steve Jarvis. I'd like to explain to you what it is, how it's done. I don't know. So it's magic. So it's magic. So I will let Todd tell you about all the magic of this first podcast. <laughs> everybody and welcome to the pre-accident investigation podcast how are you today one hopes one is good when one talks to one through one's podcast instrument that's what one hopes but who knows what happens i'm so glad to be here today's podcast is a it's a barn burner if we have those i don't know if we really have barn burners or not but if we don't i mean that's what this is is a barn burner because today's podcast is um is a live podcast done at the process safety symposium that was offered in the uh, in the kingdom of Qatar and it was sponsored by the University of Texas Qatar and by Qatar Gas and by ConocoPhillips and it's a li- it really is it's a live podcast in front of I don't know 500 people um, and it's a conversation between me and a guy named Steve Jarvis and if you don't know Steve Jarvis hit pause right now and Google him, look him up. Steve wrote the crew resource management documentation for the British uh, aviation system, and it's been kind of co-opted, and you, you see it every, lots of language in that you will be familiar with. And he's funny, and he's great, and it was really a good podcast. And so that's going to be a fun thing to do, and that's what we're going to do today. You're going to get to hear that. Uh, a great time. A great time was had by all, every single person, and I think I speak for all of them, had a good time. I certainly did, and uh, I'm their representation because I am the voice of the interviewer talking to the interviewee. So that's how it worked. It worked pretty well. Things are good for me. Man, thanks for the feedback on the books on Audible. I have to to be really honest. I would have done this way earlier had I thought it mattered. I never imagined in a billion years People would want to hear me read those books on Audible, and clearly I was wrong because a ton of you must have wanted it because they've done a, a bunch of people have downloaded them. So it kind of was worth doing. It, it just was the craziest thing. Jay Allen and I got together in consort, the Safety FM guy, and he helped me do the production stuff because I don't know if you've ever read a book out loud on Audible but they got a crap load of rules and regulations and man, it is a very uh, Newtonian linear regulated process. And I suppose they do that so they can manage all the input they get because I bet they get a lot of inputs. But anyway, he helped me through it and we got them up there and uh, they've just, uh, thank you. Uh, Thanks for all the feedback. Thanks for listening. I, I didn't know. Had I known this, I would have done this a long time ago. I would have, I would have been the guy with Audible a long time ago, but I wasn't. But thank you anyway for that. Other than that, the um, the life's just grand, man. We're zooming into the summer and trying to get a bunch of stuff done so we can, you know, make things happen and be positive. And that is what's happening next. I, I think we should just jump right into this podcast, quite honestly. And I'm so excited. There's some stuff I want to talk to you about, but I don't want to talk about it until after you've heard the podcast. 
So let's listen to the podcast. And then once we listen to the podcast, then maybe we can have a little discussion on the back end of it or, or maybe another entire podcast on a topic that Steve, I think, puts as succinctly as I've ever heard anyone put a topic. That's how good he is at this job. So sit back. It's, uh, it's myself and Dr. Steve Jarvis through the courtesy of the kind folks at the Process Safety Symposium. I do want to say one more thing about that before we go on. The guys who put this conference on did something that I think is the most clever thing I've ever seen at a process safety conference in my life. They wore bow ties. Now, the bow tie, for those of you that don't know a lot about process safety, that's really an important symbol. And the fact that all the people doing the conference wore bow ties, that's really clever. I mean, that's brilliantly clever. It's funnier than I can imagine. And they gave away these awards, and they were, in fact, golden bow ties. But not like you'd wear a golden, but like a beautiful brass, foundry-made, three-dimensional, heavy bow tie. It was cool. <laughs> it, was certainly, it certainly was funny. I, it did not go unnoticed by me. Let's just put it that way. So now, without any further ado, here is uh, Todd and Steve in a live podcast at the Qatar Process Safety Summit. Welcome to the Pre-Accident Podcast, or maybe I should say better yet, howdy, this is the Pre-Accident Podcast, and you're part of a live podcast today at the 2019 Qatar Process Safety Symposium. Here is what the audience sounds like to you. And here's who we get to talk to today. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome a, a, just a dreamboat of a presenter, a very funny person and incredibly talented Steve Jarvis. Steve, why should people care about you? What is it about you? Tell us about yourself. I, I, don't, people, I don't think people should care about me, actually, okay. Todd. But <laughs> really? So we'll start from that level. That's good. <laughs> but um, why? Um, I don't know. I didn't bring this back to myself. But um, I, I mean, I've, been, I've been in the aviation field of safety for a long time now, and this is the first time I've ever been in front of a, um, a safety process. Uh, audience, and uh, it, it's been great, actually. What do you think? How do how, you feel about it? Yeah, I think it's been really good. An eye-opener for me is that it's been hugely encouraging. I mean, if you uh, listening to the questions yesterday, which you had some of and managed to um, put back to the audience when they were difficult. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to do that. That's what we do. Right. Um, <laughs> that, was, uh, that was great. There were some fantastic questions there, actually. Almost planted, what do you think? But they were really, really good, and I could see you struggling a bit there and beads of sweat forming on your... Uh, Forehead, as you got asked a few. That's of my normal look anywhere where there's this much food to eat. <laughs> it's the beads of sweat are directly related to the. Oh, yeah, I see. Um, so, so no, the safety process side, uh, I've been really encouraged. Really encouraged. There's some great stuff here, and huge crossovers. You know, in terms of the uh, the commitments the safety people have, the the safety management, the data driven aspects, and so on. All these things have been uh, great. So, a real eye, eye opener for me, and I, I've learned a lot here. Tom. What do you see the future? I mean, looking ahead at what you're doing in the aviation industry, or even more importantly, the people we've got to hang out with and meet the last couple of days here in Qatar. What do you see as the future? What, what are you looking ahead and seeing? Wow, what a great question. Um, well, um, we've talked, there's been a lot of themes uh, this uh, last two days. Uh, we've talked about big data, of course, which uh, has to be the future in many respects. Um, we've already got lots of big data. You've got big data. There's big data in the aviation industry called flight data monitoring and um, 
uh, where basically lots of data is downloaded off airplanes all the time. Um, and the use of that data, because we tend to be flooded with data, but it's the use of that data which is really going to be key in the future. How we actually go about using it, because we've got so much of it, and it's how we go, away, go about taking those signals, getting the right ones, um, and then using that data constructively. But you said something this morning in your presentation which was amazing, and it made me really think. In fact, it, 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 it's probably the biggest takeaway I'll leave with, and that's the idea that trending data impacts data fidelity. So by trending it, we simplify. Right. By simplify, the fidelity goes away. How do you see the use of big data uh, around the pitfalls of potentially pie charts, of, of trending it into yeah, yeah. usable, manageable bytes for senior leaders? Yeah. I mean, well, we got a number of questions about that today. I, I, I really do feel this. I mean, I was an academic for a decade or so. And um, a lot of academic papers nowadays actually are about taking a lot of accident data, incident data, and just categorizing those down into various sort of boxes, if you like, various buckets. Uh, we called it taxonomies, and it was talked about yesterday, and I, I mentioned it this morning. Now, these are great in terms of looking at trends of patterns for various academic purposes and stuff like this. But, but actually, for finding out what goes wrong in potential accident situations and so on, they can really hide the signal, Todd, because what you're doing is you're packaging up things into generalizations, sending up the chain, and then expecting to fix a generalization. And, and once you've generalized it, once you've simplified it, it's very actually very difficult. And you, you saw this morning I, I showed a piece of analysis, which was actually a fault tree, and people here would recognize the fault tree, but it was a human factors version of a fault tree. It looked very, very complicated. I didn't keep it up on the screen for long. But it's a very good way of actually looking at all the different cognitive modes, how things can go wrong, and so on. And, and with what I talked about this morning, which, and I can mention the name, it was an EasyJet job. It was in the inadvertent slide deployment side. Um, going up to management and actually talking to the board of EasyJet about, those, uh, about what we're going to do, about how things go wrong, and trying to be as convincing as possible and taking that high-fidelity data that was found and convincing the board. And actually, uh, in a way, it went too well because they decided to um, implement it fairly soon. And, and I suddenly thought, crikey, you know, we want to implement this whole thing across the entire fleet network right now. Um, so we took a bit of time, and, and it was eventually change managed really nicely, and it was a really nice piece of work. But the point about that is that going up to board level, taking those things up and presenting them to board level, we have to be convincing, but we have to take a real high-fidelity amount of data up to that level. Because people on boards are intelligent, yes, right? but they're not safety experts. But they'll understand if we have enough time and if we give them enough stuff. I think it's a really good crossover question because one of the challenges that, that process safety professionals really share globally is the fact that leadership wants process safety, but they don't have time to have that high-fidelity process safety discussion. Sort of save the details, tell me the closest thing, the, the best button I can push to make the biggest difference, what's the lowest hanging fruit that will have the highest possible benefit. What do you recommend when you do a board-level ask or a senior leader ask how do you keep information palatable and yet have that high fidelity? Yeah, it's a great question, actually. I'm not always, not always sure I do, actually. Todd is the honest answer. I, I, I try, and it's a good question. But you, you can use things, uh, powerful things, videos. You can use um, uh, interview transcripts, uh, little nuggets of what people have said to you, which is often quite powerful because sometimes things people say at, at, at that sort of deep level, you know, pilots, cabin crew, they never say to their actual senior senior managers and stuff like this. So 
So you can get things like that, which a board looks at and goes, crikey, is that right? You know, and, and because it's coming from you with those sort of expertise and so on, they take that sort of thing seriously. It's not about trying to scare people. It's about trying to show them what's actually going on. Um, obviously, you run into this issue of what boards are, who, who are the people who makes up senior management boards, what expertise they have. I mean, all I can say is I don't know about your industry, but in the aviation industry, you might have only one pilot on a whole board, you know, and you might be talking about stuff that happens in a flight deck environment, which is very complex. And so you're trying to get across a very complex message um, in a very short time. And I don't think it's about going in there and saying, look, you're going to crash a plane if this doesn't happen or if this does happen and so on. It's more about actually showing the roots of this and being convincing. I think that's uh, it's really important. Use of videos, use of actual data, but not, you know, pie charts, categories, that kind of thing, because everyone rolls their eyes at that, right? Yeah, well, yeah, and it oversimplifies. I mean, yeah. I can't say that enough times, that by creating the data that we know so deeply into a palatable piece of one-page information, we, of course, have to simplify, but it sort of sets us up so that it looks like it's an easy problem, and we give generalized data so we get generalized answers. Garbage in garbage out. Right, exactly. And, and if you push that up the chain as a taxonomy, and if we decide that the cause of a particular type of hazardous event is a particular type of cognitive event, then we actually completely oversimplify it. So we say this thing is, um, I don't know, a skill-based error or a lapse, habit trap, whatever. And we put this in, and we take that up to board level. They'll say, what does that mean, a skill-based error? And you can say, well, well, actually, it means um, it's to do with the amount of attention applied to the task, the modes of control. What, you mean people are not paying attention enough? Uh, that's not really what I mean. But that's the message that they could take away with it. And so, of course, then the message becomes, well, people need to pay more attention, don't they? So can we have a course on how to pay more attention? And, and then it can feed down the thing like that if you're not careful, okay? And we, can, and we are causing that right, by the stuff we push up, okay? What do you think you guys in aviation safety do best? What, what should we pay attention to that you do that we can learn across our industry? Wow, that's a great question. I, I, um, uh, I don't know exactly what you guys do, right? But I've been it's, encouraged. It's a lot of magic. Yeah, uh, I know, yeah. That's, that's what we do is <laughs> magic. It's, um, as I said, I've been encouraged by, by what I've heard and by the great questions and so on that have come from the audience. Um, I, well, Let me rephrase the question, yeah, please, please sir. What can industry learn from aviation? What do you do well in aviation that, that if you could say, hey, industry, if you want to get better at safety, we learned this lesson. You'll save a lot of time if you start here instead of starting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Um, well, I mean, I can answer that in many ways and, and put on the spot like that. It's, uh, it's an interesting question. I refer back to my presentation this morning, which I know this is a podcast, so if anyone's listening, then uh, they won't have had that benefit. So um, I can rephrase stuff. One thing I was talking about there was that the whole safety management system that goes on in aviation, which is quite robust now under Annex 19, it's a, it's a pretty robust system. Um, but actually, what I was saying this morning was that most safety management on an informal level happens with the personnel, and, and, and people here know that. So tapping into that is really, really important. I think aviation's done that pretty well, actually. Um, there's a, what I find in aviation um, is it's a fantastic culture. Um, it, it's like an aviation, wherever you go, you know, and, and I, I do go to lots of airlines in various cultures and countries, you know, whether it be as far away as New Zealand or, or Singapore or Turkey or wherever. And what I find is a great culture. You know, you're, you'd be sitting talking to a group of pilots in Turkey, and it's just like sitting talking to a group of pilots in New Zealand or Hong Kong or something like this. They're very, very motivated. They're very interested. 
Um, they're experts in their field. And obviously, you've got you know, intelligent people doing intelligent things, and hopefully you've got the same here. But somehow, that is, is a real characteristic of aviation that I found. And as I said, I've been encouraged here as well. You know? But it's something about that culture of you know, really, really you know, wanting to do good stuff. And I find that really in aviation, even uh, you know, right, right up to the cabin crew environment. You know, when I talk to cabin crew members, flight attendants, people like this, and they'll say, yep, I'm really careful because I know the hazards, I know this, I knew that. They, they don't you know, often know exactly what the cognitive modes are and everything, but they feel that they do a really good job and they're really careful. So everyone appreciates that in aviation. I think that culture we've got there that's been now 20, 30 years is really, really ingrained and really in-depth, and that's very helpful when you try and put over a safety where do you look outside of aviation for new safety ideas? Uh, well, I don't work outside safe, uh, aviation very much, so it would be really things like, you know, books. Um, so what are you reading? Papers. What are you listening to? What interests you? I mean, I'd, I'd be curious because there's, there's <laughs> a lot going on in the world. Yeah, yeah, there is. That's right. Um, well, the thing is, when I, um, I often will read around for the job I'm particularly doing. So I, I might be, I like to look at research papers from, you know, particular fields. So I've been reading about impairment or cognition recently and, and various issues like that, which, um, uh, you know, have been really interesting. And when I, I, as I said this morning with the CAP 737, which is the Human Factors Handbook, what was really great about that is that I had to look into those, I was forced in a sense to look into areas like startle factor, startle and surprise, look at the science behind that stuff. And so I really enjoy doing that stuff, you know, looking, looking into the um, actual research, looking where it applies to us and so on and bringing that forward. I know that's not a very good answer. I mean, the that's fact is good. I'm working... I mean, that sounds good. Yeah, okay, thanks. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going for the way it sounds, it sounded like you knew what you're talking about. That's important. Well, what would you say if I told you that I think in many ways the safety you manage is easier to manage than the safety these guys manage? Well, I'd say the grass always looks greener, Todd. <laughs> okay, well, that's, 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 I think that's the opposite of that. But it, it strikes me that you have physics on your side almost all the time. Well, uh, we defy gravity most of the time, so well, I, I dispute that. I mean, right? but, but you do it with Bernoulli's law, right? <laughs> yeah, all right. Mr. Yeah. Bernoulli? Well, if you like. I mean, there's some dispute about that, isn't there? But anyway, yeah. I would suggest every time you land a plane, you land it the same way. Fair? Hang on a minute. I, I've, ju- I've done a couple of court cases really, where I, recently, where I've been cross-examined, and I'm going back into that mode. Uh, so, oh. so do you, do you um, uh, do you land a plane the same way every time? No, not really. I mean, if you if you've got a very strong crosswind, um, then it will make a plane um, quite different to land than if you've got a very calm day. If you land an aeroplane with all the automation engaged, with the auto thrust engaged, it's different to not doing, and so on. So. Uh, it's not always the same. So I'd counter that slightly. But, but I can see what you mean. You want to get it onto the concrete safely, wouldn't you, every time? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, because in, in industrial safety models, variability plays in, and there's so few things that you can predict. Mm-hmm. Whereas in aviation, aren't there more things you can't predict? Well, I, as I say, it's very that, diff- that could be completely wrong. Well, no, it's difficult for me to say because, of course, I don't know much about process safety. But I, I don't think I, it doesn't strike true with me that there's less, there's fewer things to predict. I mean, I, I think that um, in aviation there are lots of things that can happen that are unpredictable. And we're not just talking, of course, we could talk about just flight deck crew, but we could talk about what happens in the maintainer's hangar, right. what happens in cabin crew, those sort of aspects as well. I talked this morning about the wrong deck landing stuff. So, um, and that I hadn't, I wouldn't have predicted that, you know, three or four years ago when I went to do that job, you'd find that. 
you know, there are helicopters landing on the wrong decks. You know, I hadn't predicted that until I got in a helicopter, flew out there, and thought, well, crikey, there's loads of stuff everywhere. How does anyone land on the right deck? Right, because there's so many things out here. So, so there is a lot of variability and a lot of unpredictability. And complexity. Yeah, very much so. Well, complexity, of course, involved in the systems and the automation of the aircraft and so on. It's a highly complex environment, yeah. So what do you see, if, if, you, had, if you could look at a crystal ball, what's ahead for us, for all of us? Uh, wow. Is that too hard of a question? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, let me ask an easier <laughs> question. What's your favorite color? <laughs> That's hard too, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm not prepared to answer, my lord. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, I'm in the... I, I'm, I'm always really curious what captures your interest, what, mm. what, what you're looking at, what, what you're interested in. Yeah, I mean, from the human factors perspective, um, as a, again, going back to what the, the audience saw this morning, um, a lot of the issues around um, the use of automation in, in, in the flight deck and around the place, but also automation in terms of what we automate in our own minds, you know, our, our own automation of autonomous processes and so on and so forth. Those things fascinate me, right? Those things, they're really, really interesting how that happens. And uh, when I look at, and I, I do often look at the human factor side of accidents um, or, or incidents and whole data sets of incidents and so on, and often you can, you can look at it and say, okay, which parts were going wrong but were actually automated, and therefore you wouldn't have a lot of attention involved, which parts were not. And you can often use that as a starting point. Um, in terms of where you're going to find out what went wrong. And I, and I generally find that, that, you know, where people talk about, you know, intention and, well, why on earth did they do this? Why didn't they pay attention? Did they do it on purpose? This kind of thing. The answer is almost always, well, no, not really. I mean, it's always, you know, almost always in my experience, a genuine mistake, a genuine error that, as I showed this morning with a little exercise, that everybody falls into these traps. You know what I mean? Everybody does. We all don't pay enough attention, Okay. And, but in hindsight, of course, we look back and we go, God, how could anyone have not noticed that? So generally trying to say, okay, what explains why somebody would have actually done this whilst in a normal frame of mind? And often, if you can fit those things in, um, and often you can, then you've explained it. You know? That's what interests me. This has been really fun. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thanks, Todd. Thank you for this conversation. <laughs> it's been very interesting. I've never done a podcast or anything like it before, so well, I appreciate it, Todd. And I can't think of a better place to do that. Special thanks to the to the people who put this incredible conference together. Absolutely. Special thanks to you too, Steve. This oh. has been really remarkable. Thanks for your time, you guys. Learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you can. And for goodness sakes, be safe. Talk to you later. So there's kind of a fake ending there, but we'll we'll pick up a little bit. <laughs> what do you think? It goes without asking um, that Steve was. Uh, it was it was an interesting podcast. We sort of. I never like to prearrange the conversation, and we kind of prearranged it. So part of it was a little bit of uh, prearranged questions that the answers kind of came at different places. I hope I didn't ambush him too much, but he did a great job. It, I think it was it was it, he was super good at doing it. I think it was probably a little hard to do it in front of all those people, but it went really well. He said some things that I hope you paid attention to. And that is that your investigation trending system you use for your company is dumbing down your investigation information. And that, and this idea that you look for a, a technical problem with a cognitive failure and, and you oversimplify that, that part of that conversation bears necessity 
of an entire podcast. I think we shall talk to Steve again. I would love to, but I think your challenge, and I really mean this as a challenge for you, is to think about what he said. Um, there's a lot there uh, at a bunch of levels, but there's a lot there about the fact that we really do in the need to create taxonomies and the need to create accounting systems, categorization systems, ways to, to really roll information up to a board level or a senior management level in that need to create these taxonomies. We, we actually are simplifying and removing context and conditions. And we are really creating the very monster we're afraid we have, which goes right back to really the entire metrics argument. It, it, it's, it's a very interesting approach. And aviation, I think, to some extent, although they've been in the news so much recently, has some advantages on um, perhaps your company in that there really is a clear division between passenger safety um, and the kind of safety where, where it involves the public and then their industrial safety, which is often, it often does not track their passenger safety records. So you can have an airline that could have the best safety record in the world and still have a tremendous amount of, of industrial events and injuries either within the wing or below the wing. And that challenge, I think, it, it bears out that they've looked at one part of their operation and they've looked at the safety around that part of the operation and have really matured to it. And I think they've had some advantages, not unlike the nuke power community, in that physics is on their side. Every time you land a plane, Bernoulli's law applies. Now, there are variabilities. I'm not, I am not. I don't want to oversimplify myself, but you can really see where this argument, this discussion, this uh, incredible time that we spent together on a stage um, in a really nice hotel ballroom, that discussion was really a, a great discussion, and it was a fun way to spend time. I will do more of these live podcasts. I promise you. In fact, I can almost guarantee that you're going to see one happen this summer they don't even know I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it just because I think, I think it's a really interesting way to get information to you guys. And I think conference speeches are always good. I think conference speeches that we can put on the podcast that apply themselves to a podcast, that's even better. So that is, in a nutshell, what I wanted to bring to you guys this week. I, I couldn't wait to get this one up and running just because this was really a fun thing to do. And I tremendously enjoyed the opportunity and I cannot thank uh, just the whole gang. I mean, there's just a, there's a whole bunch of people. Um, Bill Denny comes to mind as just a, a powerhouse in making this happen. And, and just a whole, whole gang of bow tie wearing lovelies who put together a great conference with great participation to talk specifically around safety, the new view, uh, design process, human performance, uh, the whole thing. We we got to talk about it all, and it was really a fun way to spend some time. So that, in fact, is the real ending. The last ending you heard was the ending on stage. This is the ending just for you. Um, have as much fun as you possibly can. Learn something new every single day. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe.